Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Figure It Out podcast with me, Chandler Collins, on a beautiful Missouri Monday. Uh, big Monday action tonight. I think there's there's two matchups, Kansas and Texas. Some good games here to get your week started. College basketball edition, Super Bowl looming in the future. My co-host tonight, Garrett Skipworth, has a Chief shirt on there. I can see it in our shot. He joins us for another week. Took last week off. Had the AFC Championship game. I actually went to the game, so my mind was a little uh, a little fuzzy, if you will, um, post-game and then Monday. I needed a day to recruit, so I actually threw the white flag on that. But it's not that big of a deal because we got a lot of college hoops here, Garrett. Let's welcome you on here. Skeeby, first off, how you doing, brother? Good to have you back. Oh, I'm doing great, man. Like you said, I'm over here repping the Chiefs here in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, me and you were actually both there at the AFC Championship game. It was a phenomenal game, something I'll never forget. Really glad we got to share that memory together. Um, it is Super Bowl week, man. Cannot wait. Sunday can't get here quick enough. Um, hopefully this time uh, next week or you know, whenever, whenever our next show is, we'll be talking about the Chiefs being Super Bowl champs. But um yeah man a lot of good college basketball a lot of uh good games this past weekend a lot of good games this upcoming week and uh we're just one one week closer to march madness i know i say that almost every episode but it's uh right around the corner so i'm excited man basketball feels like that sport too that like starts to approach it almost approaches its postseason like out of nowhere like i was looking at yep. our calendar i was looking at i work you know i mean you know this but for those listeners who maybe not know I work at SEMO, so I'm heavily involved in our basketball program. Like, we have two more home basketball games after Saturday, and then we're going to the tournament, OVC tournament. It's like, wait, what? It just started. And a lot of these matchups from this past weekend, Skip, we're kind of at that weird threshold where, like, these aren't these games aren't going to make or break your season at this exact point. There's time to turn it around. But these games kind of start pushing you one way or the other into are you going to be a true championship contender or are you going to fall off and maybe be an early exit in your conference tournament? Um, Skip, you ready to just get into it? Yeah, absolutely, man. You hit it right on the money. The uh, the teams that are playing their best basketball at this time of year, getting that momentum going forward, going into March. Um, it's not always about the best team sometimes, but – it's honestly just about the hottest team and, and who's playing the, their best basketball at this point in the season. So, yep, uh, I'm ready to get going, man. Well, let's start with Saturday. Um, I have a I have a really good backstory with this game. Number 25, Auburn visits Tennessee in Knoxville. I was actually in Knoxville, Tennessee all weekend. Um, went down there, saw a, saw a friend of mine, but I was also working um, – SEMO is at Tennessee Tech in Cookville, Tennessee, which is about an hour and 15 minutes away from Knoxville. Um, so Saturday morning, I woke up and went down to this place, downtown Knoxville, to get a little cup of coffee and a bagel, get ready to get get the uh, workday going. Auburn men's basketball walks through the lobby. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting That'd there. Awesome. I'm sitting there with my coffee and bagel, minding my own business, surfing the web. And I kind of look up and I see this bus outside. I'm like, wait a minute. And off comes the entire team, dude. It was actually a really cool experience knowing what it feels like to be a player of a, of a different sport, but knowing that feeling of like walking through the hotel and like, you know, those guys knew that everybody was looking at them as, and including myself, I was, I couldn't, I was like enamored. 
by these guys who were four or five years younger than me, some of them. So that was a cool story. But Auburn ends up losing by three, a really ugly basketball game, Garrett. I don't know if you'll believe me with the score, the final score was, but it was 46 to 43. And really what I think it comes down to the most is that these two programs are kind of they're, they like to, they're a little finesse, but they're really hard nosed and they're going to get after you. And both those coaches do a good job of, of, of expecting high pressure from their, uh, from their players because 46, 43, Tennessee holds on. They were, the two teams were combined 30 of 118 from the field. Auburn was three of 27 from three to Tennessee's two of 21. So a defensive slugfest to say the least, um, the game comes down to the end. It's 46-43, Tennessee, final possession, Auburn ball. And I had this written down, controversial calls, because there was a big stink about this. And and it for, for context, Auburn's uh, guard goes up for a final three-pointer uh, to try to send the game into overtime. And the Tennessee guy does make a little contact, but I, in my humble opinion – it's just not egregious enough, and it wasn't egregious enough, especially to give that game a chance to continue. Um, I think when it gets down to that that uh, moment skip for referees, it's got to be, it's got to be really egregious, and it's tough to sit there and watch that because it probably is a foul if there's like five minutes left in the in the second half, but as the clock's expiring, to call a foul there on that, I just didn't agree with it. And Tennessee, the number two team in the country, um, picks up a big win in Knoxville. Garrett, your thoughts? Yeah, man. So, first off, uh, shout out our good buddy Cole Albright. Yeah. Uh, he's definitely a big Auburn fan. Um, but uh, 46-43, man, that, that's, uh, that would constitute as a bad high school basketball game, in yeah. my opinion. I mean, that's – Not a very good one. A defensive slugfest, to say the least. Um, and, you know, man, it's very difficult for referees, in my opinion. Um, you know, the game is just going so fast, and um, there's so much going on all at once sometimes that I do have a lot of respect for referees because even though they do catch a lot of heat, um, you know, it'd be a very, very difficult job to do. And I uh, I completely agree with you, man. A game like that, um, you hate to see it, you, you know, come down to a final call like that. And you hate to see a referee determine the outcome of the game like that. And, um, so just a really tough situation for, for the referees to be in at the very end. But, uh, you know, I think that the flow of that game, kind of like you said, if that was five minutes left in the game might've been a foul, but with it being at the very, very end of the game like that, I don't think it. I don't think you can put the referees in a position to make that call. So uh, I completely agree on that. And uh, Tennessee, man, I mean, they're, they are just hard nosed on the defensive end. They're actually currently number one in scoring defense right now. They only give up 54 points a game and uh, they're mm. currently sitting at number two in the, uh, in the AP poll. So um, they're just, they're a hard nosed team man. both those teams are very, very well coached. Uh, just a tough SEC battle, and uh, like you said, I don't think that that is necessarily a game that is going to make or break Tennessee or Auburn. Uh, I know that we'll get to that here in a, in a little bit. We have a segment on that, 
But uh, I think that that's just kind of one of those games as a coach and as a player, you just got to throw away the film and forget about that one that it even ever happened in the first place. Yeah, and it's just a it's a no win for the ref in that situation either because he calls the foul. Auburn makes all three free throws and goes to the line. Then Tennessee like says, "How can you call that?" So exactly tough one there. Tennessee holds on. Moving on Saturday eve or it was more of the afternoon ish. Number one Purdue travels to in state rival number twenty one Indiana and loses by five seventy nine seventy four in a classic Big Ten game. This was an awesome game. Caught about the last five minutes of it. Just this game was dominated by the big man. Um, both sides. Zach Eady for Purdue, dude. 33 points, 18 rebounds. Um, I'm going to save the rest for what I have on him for in just a second. But on the Indiana side, Trace Jackson Davis, he is really, really good, Garrett. He is versatile. He goes for 25 and 7. I mean, if he's not playing against a 7-4 guy, he probably has four or five more rebounds. Um, that's just kind of the nature of playing Purdue. Um, but Purdue controlled the glass, but they just struggled to score, dude. Um, they're a problem for me, in my opinion, and it's weird that they still remain number one in the poll after this week, but we'll get to that in a second. They just don't score from anywhere else but Edie, bro. I mean, he had half their – he almost had half their points – um, they had two starters go for 20 or it was Ethan Morton went for two points. Braden Smith went for four and they each played over 20 minutes. Braden Smith played for 30 plus minutes. That's just not good enough, especially on the road. Um, Indiana had a much more balanced attack. They had three guys in double digits. Um, Purdue only had two. It's little things like that that win these big games and especially rivalry games like this. Um, I really didn't even this is kind of a dumb statement by me, but I really didn't realize how big of rivals they those two schools are. Indiana's place was jumping. That'd be a cool place to go to a game at. Um, and it just kind of came down to Indiana just made more plays. They got more opportunities from their guys in crucial moments, and it proved to be the difference. Yeah, man. Um, pretty interesting, as you mentioned, that uh, coming off a loss that Purdue still did remain number one. Um, that to me, you know, says that the uh, committee believes in their eyes that Purdue is the outright best team in the nation. Um, I don't know. There's got to be very, very few times that, that, that that's ever happened coming right. off of a loss right. and you still remain number one. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, especially come tournament time, like, you know, you can have dominant players that can only take you so far. You know, um, a guy like Zach Eady, like he's going to dominate the regular season. But when you get into tournament games and you're playing back to back to back games, you know, all in a row and teams can kind of, you know, key in more on their game plan and whatnot. That's going to be very difficult for teams like that to win. You have to have a balanced attack. You have to have good guard play. You have to have bench scoring. You have to have it all across the board. You can't just rely on one guy because. Um, you know, if Edie does have a bad game, who else do they go to? So it's uh, kind of uh, kind of concerning for Purdue um, in that aspect. But, um, you know, because you simply just cannot have starters like you mentioned. You can't have a guy go for two points that's playing over 20 minutes a game. I mean, you've got to give more production than that. Um, so, yeah, and I agree, man. Trace Jackson Davis, 
pretty cool name, kind of a tongue twister right there. Yeah. But uh, he's going to be a really good NBA player. Um, I know that he's really high on the draft board. Uh, like you said, just a very versatile player. Um, six nine, you know, averaging like twenty points a game, shooting at a high clip. Uh, I think his field goal percentage is like fifty eight percent, is what I'm sitting here looking at. Um, and he also rebounds really well. Like you said, if he didn't go up against a seven four guy, he probably would have grabbed a couple more rebounds. But mm-hmm. he's still managing to average eleven rebounds a game. So, uh, very high future for him. And um, Indiana man, they're Indiana just loves basketball. I yeah. mean that is just a, that is just a state that just lives and dies for basketball, and um, I think that, like you said, I think that that'd be really really cool to uh, check off Indiana's gym as as a bucket list item for sure one day. Trace Jackson Davis, lefty, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yep. interesting. Haven't had a lefty uh, forward slash power forward in the NBA. I feel like in a while. I mean. Chris Bosch, maybe the last one that was like, you know, Versal could really shoot a three. Yep. I yeah. Yeah. I, I would, yeah. Chris Bosch, I guess in today's age, you got like Sabonis. Oh, yeah. DeMontis. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good yeah. name, actually. Trace Jackson Davis, he won't win it, but we could probably add him to the figure it out pod name of the year list. You know, like I a, would, the watch list. I would list. absolutely agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good so, one right there. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, speaking of great names, who has the leader in my book? Number five, Arizona absolutely trounces Oregon State, uh, eighty-four to fifty-two. I have written down here: Arizona really good, Pac-12 bad. Um, UCLA is hanging around kind of, but I still think Arizona is far superior. Um, Azulus Tubilus, I think we talked about him last week or two weeks ago. Excuse me, first episode goes for nineteen. He is the front runner for the Figure It Out Pod uh, Name of the Year winner, um, pending any last minutes that we see. Arizona, first off, to Skip's point about Purdue and Indiana, Arizona is insanely deep. I set the mark of minutes at eight or more, and I and I called those meaningful minutes because I truly do believe that they had nine guys that played more than eight minutes in the game. And when you really think about that, that is so important and not only important, a huge advantage come tournament time. I mean, I understand that it's an absolute blowout, a 32-point blowout. But, like, if those guys are all playing eight minutes or more, they're playing with some serious time remaining on the clock. They're not really getting that at the at the last minute. And speaking of guys that get minutes at the last, every single person on Arizona's roster played in Saturday's game. So I think that that is something that should not be discredited. Um, Arizona, they, they seem to be able to do it all. Um, They're really athletic, weirdly athletic. I don't know where they're getting these guys from, but they can shoot it. And um, you can tell in a 32 point loss and no matter who you're playing, like we said about Alabama last time against LSU, Alabama beat LSU by 40. The last time they played and turned around and beat them by nine. It's just it's just things like that. You dominate teams. You're a you're a good basketball team at the time at this time of the year if you're dominating. Correct. Yep. Anytime you're beating a conference team by thirty or more points, that's just an absolute dominating win. Um, and to your point, man, I mean the fact that they go nine guys deep like that uh, says a lot about their program as a whole. To be honest with you, um, to me that just speaks volume to their coach and. I'm sure that he's uh, he's really getting it across to his guys that 
Um, they just they buy into the to the game plan. They buy into the system. They buy into uh, playing their role on a team because, um, I mean, obviously anyone who knows basketball, like you got to have shooters. You got to have guys who can defend. You got to have guys who can facilitate the ball, rebound. I mean, there's so much that goes into having a good basketball team. And whenever you can have that many guys contributing, it, it's it's only going to help the cause. And so um, the fact that they can have nine guys like that play significant minutes um, is really important, like you said, whenever it comes tournament time, whenever you're playing consecutive games and consecutive days. Yeah, absolutely. Those are the highlighted matchups that I saw. Skip, did you have any, or are you ready to go on to the next segment? Yeah, man. I had uh, I had Alabama, man. Alabama, I know that we talked about them a lot in the first episode. Um, they are looking really, really good. Um, they're currently 20-3 and three and 10-0 uh, and 0 in the SEC in conference play. Hmm. Um, I don't care who you are. If you're undefeated at this point, in the season in conference play, you're really, really good. Um, and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, bouncing off of uh, some of the blowout wins that we were just talking about, they beat Vanderbilt 101 to 44. Oh. <laughs> 101 to 44. And Vanderbilt wow. isn't like, isn't super horrible. I mean, Vanderbilt is, uh, they're 11 and 12 on the year. And they're also coached by 18-year NBA veteran Jerry Stackhouse. Wow, which is pretty interesting. So I don't care. Uh, I don't care who you are. If you're Alabama and you're beating a team coached by Jerry Stackhouse, 101 to 44, you are a really, really good team. Yeah. Um, and Bama right now, uh, I'm I'm a pretty big stats guy. I guess you could say. Um, so Bama is currently ninth in offensive scoring and they're 17th in defense. So they're both, they're really, really high up on the, uh, on the chart in both of those categories. Uh, and Bama, they are, in my opinion, a very, very scary team to watch out for. Love it. Moving forward, little segment I'm going to put out there for the people. These are games that were very important over the weekend, and and I'm not going to take away any any team that has won in this list, but it's really more looking at the at the losers um, of these games. And I'm not putting any stock in these losses. I think that teams lose games here and there. Teams that I think are are legit good. Um, that you you might you might lose one here or there, and especially when you're playing against a pretty good opponent. So let's get into it. First up, battle for Virginia. Virginia Tech wins on the road at Virginia, 74-68, number six in the country, Virginia. Um, this one I chalk up solely to rivalry game. Um, I know that, that that state, I don't know much about the state of Virginia, um, but I would imagine that that's probably pretty heated. Um the only concern that I have for me really is that it was at home for Virginia. You know, you don't want to lose a rivalry game at home, but that happens. The game is emotional happens. And um, Virginia's good, dude. Like Virginia's good. They are one of the best teams in the ACC for sure. Um, I love the way they defend Tony Bennett's a great coach. They just have kind of that championship pedigree. And it's crazy that they're the team that lost to the the one sixteen matchup. I mean, they don't seem like the program that would ever let that happen, but it happened. But yeah, good win for the Hokies. Um, ACC skip, maybe touch on this a little bit. Just 
this might be the most bleh a- ACC it's ever been. I couldn't agree more, man. It's uh, very uncharacteristic for the ACC to be where they're at at this point in the season. I mean, you do have some really, really good teams in the ACC. Um, you know, you got obviously you got Duke, Carolina, you got Duke, Carolina, Duke, Carolina, um, Virginia, Clemson. Um, you even have Miami, who's currently in the top twenty-five right now. But then after that, man, it is just a total drop off. I mean, from top to bottom, you got teams uncharacteristic at w- at the numbers that they're putting up right now. You got teams like Louisville, who is sitting at one and eleven in conference. Yeah. I mean, Louisville used to be a powerhouse. They used to be in the top twenty-five in the midst of everything every single year. Um, you got Notre Dame two and ten. Um. And then you got Georgia Tech. They're usually, they're historically never really that good. One in twelve, but it's just uh, it's just an uncharacteristic year to say the least for the ACC. Not not too deep this year for the conference, um, and just really surprising that those teams like that. I don't know the issues behind it, but really surprising that uh, those teams are not having the success that they usually do have. Texas, number 10 Texas, goes on the road to number 7 Kansas State and wins the second loss in a row for the Wildcats. They lost at Allen Fieldhouse last Tuesday. Um, Texas is really damn good, and they're in first place in the Big 12, um, and they're ranked behind both K-State and Kansas last week. They're not now, but they were at the time of this game. Um we talked about it in the first episode. You have to give – you just have to tip your cap to Texas for battling what they battled and to be in the position that they remain in. Um, they're a really good basketball team. And on the flip side, K-State is also a really good basketball team, and they just happened to lose to another really good basketball team at the end of the day. It was a really good game, came down to the wire. I truly felt like any either team could have won, and Texas did it. So not a lot of stock in that one. Um from the Wildcats perspective. Last one of the slate here. Um, This is kind of fun to say Kansas loses on the road to Iowa state. Um, It was a beat down for the Cyclones 68 53. Kansas has lost four of their last six. Their only two wins in that span are at Kentucky, which we thought was going to be a really big win. It might get them back on track. Maybe not the case in this instance, and then they hosted Kansas State and took care of business in that one. But Kansas is kind of in a weird spot. I don't know. It kind of almost feels like they might be, like, weirdly, like, fatigued from last year. But, like, when you think about saying that out loud, like, the team isn't – there's only a couple of guys from that team last year that went all the way to the Final Four and won the national championship. But they're just kind of, like, losing these games. I mean, like, on a, when's the last time Kansas lost by – third excuse me 15 at iowa state you know yeah Uh, i can't really put my finger on the jayhawks yet maybe you got something but before you go iowa state is legit they are a really good basketball team um it's not really the worst loss in the world for kansas because i really think that a hilton coliseum is an incredibly difficult place to play not a lot of teams go in there and win and two i just think that iowa state right now is hot they um they they beat the case they've beaten K State they beat KU just the other night, um they're taking on some good teams in in the Big Twelve and uh, watch out for the Cyclones. But Skip maybe talk about KU maybe. 
Man, so real quick, great minds think alike, my friend, because I have written down here right on my notes, watch out for Iowa State, and you just verbatim said that word for word. Um, because, man, Iowa State, last year, they went 2-22 and under uh, their head coach, Steve Prohm. Yeah. Um, and now they have uh, TJ Otzelberger, really <laughs> good name, by the way. Um but uh, TJ Otzelberger is their head coach, and they have just completely turned it around. I mean, Iowa State is historically always just a really, really good program. Um, it's kind of cool for me personally, Chan, watching Iowa State uh, because they do have a uh, – their starting point guard is actually a freshman. Um, his name is Taman Lipsy, and uh, he's averaging about seven points a game and, and uh, five assists a game. But um, pretty cool because I actually – Whenever I was up in Iowa and coaching for Ankeny Centennial, we played Ames um, every single year. And uh, the year that I was there, we played Ames three times. And so I got to sit there courtside and, and coach against Taman Lipsy. And he was a, a really, really good player. And um, so I'm you know, pretty happy to see a guy like that having some success at a big time school like that. So nice. uh, watch out. You know, like I said, watch out for Iowa State. They're really, really good. Um, to be honest with you, Chan, as far as KU, you know, I'm not putting too much stock in their losses, to be honest yeah. with you, man. I mean, they're, they just, uh, they've, they've lost a couple games here in the last couple weeks. I think you said four out of their last six, uh, which is obviously very, very uncharacteristic for them. Um, but I, I think it's just one of those things, man. We're just in the heart of the season. Uh, teams are playing a lot of games. Um, you know, for me personally, and and uh, being a former college basketball player myself, it it's huge the difference between playing a team. Um, you know, like we would always, whenever I played, we would play a team on Thursday, and then we would turn around and play a team on Saturday. I know that most teams, you know, they'll play like either like a Monday, Monday, Wednesday, or like a Tuesday, Thursday, and then sometimes a Saturday. Just kind of depends on how the schedule goes, but uh, it, it's such a difference playing a team back to back, like so close to that, as opposed to having a week off in between your games and being able to prepare for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, guys are just they're playing a lot of minutes. They're they're a little bit beat up. No one, I mean, everyone. You hope and pray that everyone is healthy at this point in the season, but for the most part, a lot of guys are banged up. They're dealing with nagging injuries. Um, so to be honest, man, I think it just kind of depends on sometimes these losses. It just depends on when it falls on the schedule, like when you play them, um, you know, if you play them fully rested, uh, going into a tournament style game, uh, whenever you can fully prepare for them, like, I don't, I don't see, I, I don't see very many teams that are better than Kansas, to be honest with you. Um, cause I mean, they did have a huge win at Kentucky. I think that that was a massive win for them going through this little spell. Um, and then they did turn around and beat K-State at home after losing to K-State on the road earlier this year, which says a lot about a team being able to be resilient and come back from a, a loss like that earlier in the season. So um, I don't know, man. KU always has has championship pedigree, as much as I hate to say that. Um, so I think that uh, I'm not putting too much too much stock in their losses recently. Yeah, I completely agree. You took the words right out of my mouth. Um, K, you'll do fine. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving forward, new segment. This one I titled Skip Surprises from the Weekend. I only got two of them. Um, I try to look to expand it a little bit more as we go through the season here, but only two this week. First one, unfortunately, we got to talk about him. Gonzaga loses to St. Mary's at St. Mary's in overtime on Saturday. Um, Drew Timmy had 23 points. Um, and I think kind of this kind of falls into what you just said, Skip, about where it falls on your schedule. This midpoint, um, I was actually listening, I was listening to a competing podcast called Pardon My Take. Um, and they had uh Clayton Kisper on there, I think is what his name is. I don't know if it's I think it's I think that's right. Um, or Kispin or Kistin or something like that. But he went to Gonzaga anyway, he plays in the NBA for the Wizards. Um, so you, you guys can correct me on that. But um he was saying that. Like he thought that this was a spot where they would lose. Like he was comparing it back to his his seasons at Gonzaga, and they asked him like, "How do you guys like get ready to play the WCC? Because it's like such a joke." And he's like, "Yeah, I mean, most of the time it's like a loss to St. Mary's that snaps you out of it because they just kind of sleepwalk through that conference." Well, seems like they sleptwalk into that gym and lost by eight on Saturday. So kind of cool to see. Honestly, I hate Gonzaga. <laughs> Yeah, man. St. Mary's, they're just kind of a team that's always just right there in the hunt. I mean, you hardly ever hear anything about them throughout the season. And they're just they're sitting right there at 18th in the in the country right now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, man, it's honestly I, I'm right there with you. I honestly love seeing a team like St. Mary's be able to take down Gonzaga. Uh, probably kind of brings Gonzaga down to back down to earth a little bit because mm-hmm. every year, no matter what, people are so high on Gonzaga, but their conference is just so weak. And so it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Gonzaga responds from this loss. Um, very interesting take to hear that from a uh, former Gonzaga player, as you just mentioned. Um, but they do uh, they play uh, they. Play, turn around and play St. Mary's again here in a couple weeks on the 25th. Um, so it, that'll be a, a, for sure a very good game to watch to see how they, uh, see how they respond and see if Gonzaga is able to take care of business. I feel like St. Mary's is that program that is never higher than 16th, but never lower than 24th. So like, they're <laughs> always just like kind of relevant, but not really like you kind of know they're there, but. They're just so far away from us that doesn't we, they don't even affect our life. Um, next surprise, Oklahoma State, seventh in the Big Twelve. You know, it's kind of been a while. I feel like since the Cowboys haven't been that good, and it's um, it's hilarious that they're seventh in the conference because they've rattled off I believe three straight conference wins in a row, which is difficult to do in the most uh, challenging college basketball conference that is the Big Twelve. They knock off TCU number 15 at the time, 79-73. Thought I might give the Cowboys a shout-out. Um, I feel like, did we talk about them maybe in our first episode, Skip? Because maybe they have a name guy. I don't remember. But um, the Cowboys, maybe kind of watch out for them. They kind of feel to me like a team and a program, really, that kind of gets hot at the right moment. And especially when it comes to the Big 12 tournament, you might not want to play the Cowboys come early March. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I'm looking forward to the Big 12 tournament. It's actually uh, here in Kansas City, hosted every single year. So I'll definitely be in attendance for that. It's going to be a good tournament for sure. Um, But yeah, Chan, I I actually I have it written down here that uh, there are currently five 
20 win teams in the top 25, but there are lots of teams that are hovering around that, you know, 18 and six, Mm -hmm. 16 and seven record. Um, and, And a lot of these teams, they're moving up or down like five or six spots each week. So all it takes is either a really, really good win or a really bad loss for you to move up or down in the standings. And so, um, a team like, you know, Oklahoma state, they're just, they're a gritty team They're It's the big 12. Again, it, it's just these conference games, man, you, you literally never know what you're going to get. Um, it's so crazy because I remember a couple weeks ago, uh, Alabama got, uh, beaten really bad by Oklahoma oh, and yeah. then, and then Oklahoma barely lost to Kansas. And so it's like, you know, if, if, Oklahoma builds up those two wins and and uh, beats Bama and Kansas, they might be sitting in the top 25 or something like that. But then they could go out and turn around and lose to one of the bottom teams in the Big 12, and then they're screwed, you know? So you literally never know. You truly never know what's going to happen in college basketball. It's crazy. Yeah, and speaking of you truly never know, final segment before we turn it over to Skip to take us home tonight the lookout segment. This is I highlighted three different uh, teams um, that are making noise without really being talked about. First one is the number nineteen Florida Atlantic Owls, Garrett. I don't know if you knew they were the Owls, but they are twenty-two and two in conference. U- or excuse me, twenty-two and two overall, twelve and one in conference USA. They've won ten of their last eleven. Um, you're never really going to hear about them, and you're probably never going to watch them. But they got a guy, FIO, name of the year candidate for sure, Vladislav Goldin, scored 15 Whoa. points. <laughs> scored 15 points um, just uh, Saturday and defeated uh, ah, who'd they play? Somebody in Florida. Anyway, they did. I know they won. Um, he also leads the team with 6.2 rebounds per game. So look out for Vladislav. Um, and the Florida Atlantic Owls. Um, Dude, Chan, I love, I absolutely love teams like that. Like that you you never hear about, you never get to see them on TV. Like you just literally know nothing about them. Nothing. And they're just sitting there in the top 25, and they're sitting at 22 and 2. So they're obviously a really, really good team. Um, And kind of uh, brings back some memories couple years ago back in the tournament remember uh florida gulf coast lob city yeah like kind of just came out of nowhere you never heard about them all year never and then um they just come out and they started dominating in the tournament and so watch out might be uh that might be florida atlantic this year who knows absolutely and um especially those early round games, dude, a team like that is so dangerous. If they're like, uh, imagine FAU is like a 12 and, or a 13 even, and KU is like a three, but they, KU probably won't be that low. I don't know. They keep losing like this, but like someone like that, like a big name going up against them, FAU with a chance to put their name on the map. That'd be sweet. Absolutely. (laughs) Moving forward. Um, this is more of a household name that you need to look out for, but I feel like for their pedigree and what they're doing right now in the Big 12, I don't think they're getting enough credit. Number 11, Baylor. 
Baylor smashed Texas Tech on Saturday, 89 to 62. They've won seven of eight. Um, they're hilarious. They're six and four in the Big 12. And that's like that's like tied for third, and no one's talking about them. It's it's kind of crazy to me. Keontae George, 17.2 points per game. They're one of those teams, Garrett, that are just, they're just really tough and they're super athletic and they're going to get after you. They're a bit like an Auburn or a Tennessee to me that are just super athletic and want to get up and down the floor and can score at a really high clip. I mean, 89 points. That's, that's a lot of points in the college game. Um, so an impressive win for the Baylor bears. Absolutely, man. I was actually uh, watching a segment earlier on ESPN um, and they were talking about like some of the most underrated teams in college basketball. Uh, one of which, really good take by you earlier. One of which, uh, they were talking a lot about Virginia. Mm-hmm. You highlighted on them being a really, really good team. Um, and then another one was was Baylor. So um, you're just piggybacking off of what dudes on ESPN were talking about literally earlier as I was watching that segment. Um, not a lot of people are talking about Baylor. Um, but yes, they are a really, really dangerous team. And, um, you know, again, six and four and they're third in the big 12. That just goes to show you how difficult that conference is and how competitive it really is. Um, as I just mentioned, Baylor 17 and six, Yeah, as I said, a lot of teams hovering around that 16 and seven, you know, 18 and seven, uh, record. And so, uh, these next couple weeks are going to be very, very vital in regards to uh, where teams are going to land as far as seeding in the tournament. Um, and that just means that uh, March Madness is probably going to be even crazier than usual. I know we say that every year, but uh, there will probably be not very many perfect brackets this year, I would say. Yeah, and I think an even better way to look at it, too, it just popped in my head. Baylor's 6-4 and four in their conference and they're 11th in the nation. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That doesn't happen very often. Absolutely. Um, last surprise or lookout from the weekend, excuse me. Going to give a little shout out to the Big East. Number 14, Marquette, head coach Shaka Smart. Forgot about that until I did my research today. Uh, Marquette defeated Bate, or Butler over the weekend, 60-52, to 52, their fifth straight. They've won 10 out of their last 11. Um they're first in the Big East right now, and that feels like a program that's been really irrelevant for a while um, considering the pedigree that some of the players they have. Maybe the word of the episode tonight's pedigree because I feel like I've used that eight times now. But um, it applies to Marquette because it's a basketball school through and through. I mean, D. Wade went there. Like, come on. <laughs> like, that's – it has a <laughs> legit history. Um, and it's good to see them back in the national spotlight. 14th in the country right now. In a conference like the Big East, that is really difficult and tough-minded, and to beat Butler sixty to fifty-two, um, I think that says a lot about where this program is. Shaka Smart, a tough-minded coach, and you know Milwaukee, Marquette, like that's kind of like a, that's kind of their brand. So it seems like their players have bought into that. Cam Jones averages fifteen point seven points per game to lead the Golden Eagles, and. Um, they're in first place right now, Skip. I think they deserve some credit, some shout-out from the Figure It Out pod. 100%, man. And they got uh, they got five guys on their team that are averaging double figures uh, in points per game. Uh, so that just goes to the, uh, the balance that's so important for every one of these teams. And, uh, 
Man, Marquette, to say the least, I think that they have uh, definitely a candidate for another name. Uh, they have Olivier Maxence Prosper. Oh, <laughs> wow. We've added three people to the list tonight. That is a definite name. Can you say that yeah. one more time? So his first name is hyphenated, and it's oh. Olivier Maxence. And then his last name is Prosper. So Olivier Maxens Prosper. <laughs> I also wonder even if you I wonder if you pronounce that R. It might be Olivier. Yeah, I'm not for sure. Yeah. We might but, do some uh, research on that, but that's a great name. Sorry, continue. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. Uh and man, I feel like we growing up, I remember as a little kid, like Big East basketball was so relevant. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, the Big East, whenever we were young, was always like hands down the best conference. Like you, you would always watch the Big East on TV. They were always the nationally televised games. Um, and everyone would talk about the Big East. But I feel like nowadays it's kind of faded away a little bit. Not a lot of people talk about the Big East. Um, I feel like the Big 12. Um, and even the SEC has kind of taken over that dominance in today's college basketball. But um, yeah, man, again, Marquette eleven and two in the Big East, nineteen and five overall. Uh, really, really good team. Watch out for them come tournament time for sure. Yeah, let's wrap up the show. Um, kind of crazy that this matchup had probably the least amount of allure it's had in however many years, at least 26, as long as I've been alive. Um, the North Carolina Tar Heels make the short trek down Tobacco Road to take on Duke. Skeevy, I'll let you take over here. Uh, big win for the Duke Blue Devils, buddy. Congratulations. Man, the Blue Bloods. Hopefully uh, hopefully Duke is getting back on track. Um, they play I, tonight, this... by the way. Sorry, they play yeah. tonight. Big Monday big, at Miami. Big... At Miami, huge game for them tonight. Uh, goes back to what I was saying earlier, Chan. I mean, you uh, you play North Carolina, huge rival game on Saturday, and turn right around and play Miami on the road on Monday. Just a massive game right there. So uh, you got to be ready at all times, no matter what. And um, honestly, man, I think that this was probably – I uh, would have to go back and do a little bit more research on it, but this was probably the first time in our lifetime that neither Duke or Carolina going into the game was ranked. Neither of them were, they were both unranked, which was crazy. And, you know, usually uh, you hear about it all week leading up to the game. I mean, mm -hmm. they're constantly talking about it on ESPN. They're talking about it all over social media. And I didn't hear squat about it this week. Like, did not hear anything about it. There was really not a whole lot of hype going into the game. Um, but still, dude, I mean, Duke and UNC, one of the most classic rivalries in all of sports. Um, so I was super, super happy to see Duke come out uh, on top. And uh, I, I hope I'm not getting ahead of myself, man. But uh, I think Duke... If they if they pull out a win tonight, I think that they could uh they can definitely be trajecting in the uh in the right direction for sure. I think uh, a game like that on Saturday against a huge rival 
like UNC. I think that that's a, 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 a season changing game in the sense of uh, that could really get you uh, get you going and get that momentum moving forward. Um, and I think the biggest thing for Duke, man, is uh, just them getting healthy. Uh, having Jeremy Roach back is absolutely huge. Uh, he's one of the best point guards in the entire nation. He is uh, definitely the energizer bunny for their team. Uh, as you know, as he goes, they go. Uh, it was his second straight game uh, scoring 20 or more points. Mm-hmm. And uh, down the stretch, he uh, he scored eight of the last 10 points against UNC on Saturday. Um, so wow. he, yeah, so just absolutely huge uh, with him on the court. I know that I touched on this um, in our in our last uh, our last show. Uh, without him, guys are playing outside of their roles. They don't really know who the go to guy is um, at the very end of the game. Um, little stuff like that that makes a huge difference in basketball. But with him, he is the ultimate glue guy with their team. He brings every one of those guys on the team together. Um, he kind of puts everyone back into their role of what they need to do. On the, on the team for them to be good and for them to win. Um, because, again, everyone knows that he's the guy. I mean, he is the guy for Duke. Um, so having him back is absolutely huge. And um, they have a really tough schedule coming up, man. They play, as we mentioned, at Miami tonight, and they go at Virginia on Saturday. Mm. Um, but I think that uh, if they if they win – you know, obviously you want them to win both of those games, but if they win at least one of those games uh, and then win out the rest of the season, because they do have uh, towards the uh, the end of their season, they're kind of playing the weaker part of the ACC. Uh, so they really, really need to win those, those type of games for sure. But if they were to win out the rest of the season or, you know, only have one, maybe two more losses, uh, they'd finish about they'd finish twenty five and six if they went out, and if they had one loss, they'd be twenty four and seven. So I think that they'd be pretty solid, um, considering what they've been through all season as far as that little skid of uh, losses that they had consecutively. Um, I think that that would be a really good end of the season for them. So um, not going to get my hopes up too much, Chan, but I think that Duke uh, hopefully could be going in the right direction. Yeah, the Duke-UNC game from a third-party perspective was a sick game. I mean, like, oh, for, for the amount of for, – for what it's normally built up to be, without having all that build up, the game still lived up to the expectations. And um, it was a fun game to watch, actually. So Absolutely. let's wrap up the show here. I'm just going to go through the AP Top 25 poll. Um, came out today. Uh, you'll – I mean, if you listen today, I guess it'll be Monday, but you'll probably hear this on Tuesday. So it's Purdue number one in both polls, which is very interesting to me. Houston number two, Alabama, oh. at th- Alabama at three, Arizona at four, Texas at five, Tennessee drops to six after winning. We'll talk about that in a second. UCLA seven, Virginia eight, Kansas nine, and Marquette. We talked about them earlier in the show, Garrett. They're up to 10, so they've cracked into the top 10. Um, I wonder how many years it's been since they've been up there. Um, any team in particular you want to talk about? Maybe I need to give a little bit more credence to UCLA. I guess I really didn't realize that they were seven. 
I just think Arizona's in a class of its own. But I mean, UCLA can they can challenge. And the thing about those matchups is that when you're that close together, you know each other extremely well. Arizona, I'm sure, every day at this point of the season is watching film or watching something on UCLA and UCLA vice versa because they're probably going to play a meaningful game sometime in the Pac-12 tournament or what have you, but that's on me, UCLA. I can have hand up, and I'll I take back what I said earlier. <laughs> yeah, UCLA, you haven't really heard a whole lot about them this season. Um to be honest with you, but I, I, I'm right there with you. I think that uh, I think that Arizona kind of just overshadows them a little bit. Um, UCLA, really, really good program, of course, historically. Um, but Arizona, man, they're just they're. I think they're too good. I, I don't see. I don't think there's any chance that UCLA beats Arizona in a, a conference championship game setting, like we like you just said. So um, they might prove us wrong. Who knows? We might both be wrong. But I think Arizona is way better than UCLA for sure. That is the Figure It Out Pod college basketball episode week two. Technically week three of the show, I guess. We skipped a week, like I said earlier, but that was episode two. Skip and I back next Monday, hopefully following a Chiefs Super Bowl win. Appreciate your time, Garrett, and we'll talk to you next week, okay? Absolutely. We better be seeing a Chiefs, uh, Chiefs Super Bowl win this weekend, man. Let's go Chiefs Kingdom. Let's get it. Let's go. (laughs) Go Chiefs. Talk to you later, buddy. All right. Later, bro.